0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks fall just short of a third straight win, uh, losing at the buzzer against the Chicago Bulls in heartbreaking fashion for Atlanta. Lots of positives, some negatives mixed in there as well. And the Hawks had this one in their grasp down the stretch, but it wasn't quite enough. We'll have full details and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1375 of the Locked On Hawks Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us as always on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Locked On Hawks podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, etc., as well as on YouTube on the video side. And I will sell you, I will tell you at the beginning of the podcast, this is actually my second show of the evening. If you missed it, I did an emergency podcast earlier on Wednesday talking about the Travis Schlank decision to step down and all of the reshuffling in the front office that will not be covered on this show because I did a whole different show about it. So please catch up on that one. Tell a friend about the podcast and uh, definitely interesting times for the Hawks. A very, very busy day in Hawksland on this Wednesday. As for tonight's show, it's going to be breaking down what became a close spot loss for the Hawks, 110 to 108 at home to the Chicago Bulls, a Hawks team that had a chance to win their third straight game. They led this game down the stretch after coming back from 18 down. And then at the buzzer, just 10 days after the Hawks beat the bulls at the buzzer behind AJ Griffin, uh, same building, same teams. And this time in Chicago with the walk-off win on the Hawks home floor, putting the Hawks back down to 16-16 on the season. They're now 500 through 32 games and 10-6 and six at home. We'll get into all of what transpired as always, but certainly not a great performance from the Hawks. It wasn't bad necessarily. Obviously, the Hawks were favorite in the game, should have been, and this is one you definitely want to win. But once they got down into an 18-point hole, they played pretty well. But unfortunately, they got down into an 18-point hole, and those are very difficult to come out of. You kind of have to play perfectly from that point forward, and the Hawks were not able to do that in this game. So we'll get into all of the context and all of that, but that's sort of the, uh, the broad strokes of this one is that this is a winnable game for sure for the Hawks. Was it a disastrous scenario? No, but certainly one that they would like to have gotten for sure. You can definitely feel that um, sense of um, frustration afterwards with regard to this Hawks team. Anyway, um, the Bulls were actually on a back-to-back in this spot traveling from Miami down to Atlanta, sorry, up to Atlanta, I should say. And uh, basically the Bulls have not been very good recently. They did beat the Heat. They're playing a little bit better than that um, in recent days. But uh, obviously that set up pretty well for the Hawks on paper. You would have thought the Bulls would have run up gas in this game. That kind of happened a little bit down the stretch, but the Hawks were not able to quite capitalize on that And still, it's worth noting that the Hawks are without Clint Capella, who's a very, very important piece. The Bulls are a little bit more banged up than the Hawks were, but Capella was the best player that was unavailable to play in this game on either side. Uh, Capella, by the way, did a long stint on the Valley Sports about these broadcaster in the game. And he said he is, quote, targeting, end quote, the next game for the Hawks to come back. That's on Friday. Nothing official there. But when Clint says it, that's probably a positive indicator. He's at least getting a a little bit closer to the Hawks returning, uh, you know, Obviously, it would be nice to have him uh, in this game. Kong was actually really good. We'll get into, but Capella's presence is always welcome for this Hawks team. Lonzo Ball, Derek Jones Jr., Goran Dragic, and Javante Green were out for the Bulls, as well as Alex Caruso, who got hurt during the game. But The Hawks were about five-and-a-half-point favorites, according to our friends that have been online, in this spot. And that, and that opposite tells you that the Hawks were supposed to win, quote unquote, in this spot. So um, as for the game itself, I kind of speculated this might happen on the last show, but the Hawks went back to a traditional lineup with Kongwu and Collins playing together, sliding back to the bench. But the headliner of the night rotationally is that the Hawks only played seven guys in the second half of this game. They definitely pushed all their chips in to try to win this one. They had four different guys play 38 minutes or more. It was like almost a, a Raptors-level rotation in the second half. And uh, it almost it almost proved to be the right decision uh, to come back and get that victory at the end. But the Hawks just started very slowly. They missed eight of the first 10 shots. They had two turnovers. They only had seven points in like five and a half minutes. The Bulls were up by nine as a result by the middle of the first quarter. And then defensively, the Hawks definitely got better as the game went along, but they were letting DeMar DeRozan get wherever he wanted to in that first half, unfortunately, for Atlanta. Uh, And then even some foul trouble as well. John Collins had two fouls in the first four minutes. They had to go back, kind of go small from there. Bogey made his first three, but basically the Hawks were pretty cold outside of Trey Young, at least in the first half of this game offensively. They went to A.J. Griffin as the second sub, as you might expect, and Aaron Holiday got got one stint on the floor, and then Frank Kaminsky was back after a DNP on Monday. I think probably because Collins had two fouls, they went to Kaminsky. And as I said before, Kaminsky, Jalen Johnson, and Aaron Holiday only played one stint each and none in the second half as the Hawks trimmed down their rotation. Um, I will say defensively there was a stint in the first quarter where the Hawks were playing. Young, Bogdanovich, Aaron Holiday, AJ Griffin, and Frank Kaminsky. So basically, four perimeter guys plus Kaminsky, and among those four perimeter guys, I would I would, I would say that only Aaron Holiday is even an average defender. Um, Bogey and Griffin below average. Trey, obviously, even worse than that. Uh, plus Kaminsky, and that lineup basically has no chance to defend uh, with all due respect to those guys. That didn't last that long, but still, that was a lineup that probably should never play, to be honest with you. Offered um, on my five at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Trey was hot from three. He made four threes in the first quarter, actually had a big night shooting the ball from three-point range. He has uh, definitely started to beat the regression monster a little bit from three, which is good to see overall. And three of those four threes in the first quarter were catching shoots. That's a good sign for Trey and the offense. But defensively, it was a little bit shaky early on, and that continued a little bit into the second quarter as well. They brought in Jalen Johnson as the second quarter again. He's only stood at the night, but it was a fourteen to three run by the Bulls to open the second quarter, put the Hawks down by fourteen points, and the Bulls were shooting very, very well. They actually scored about one point four points per possession in the first like fifteen minutes of the game. Uh, from there, the Hawks were actually pretty darn good on, on defense, but that first. 17, 18 minutes does count, and that was unfortunate for Atlanta. Uh, DeJounte Murray had a, really buff, had a really rough first half, I thought. He had seven turnovers in the first – sorry, the team had seven turnovers in the first 17 minutes, and they kind of can't afford that. Murray had three or four of those seven, and he was pretty shaky. They were down 16 because they were 10 of 30 from the floor while the Bulls were red hot. The offense was not great early on outside of Trey. There was some shot-making challenges and a few turnovers, but at one point it was 24-2. to two on the points in the paint metric, that's a little bit of an over- oversimplified spot because you, you know with fouls and all that stuff. It's some, sometimes a flawed metric, but you don't want to be down twenty-four to two in points in the paint at any point. There was a really late whistle on John Collins for his third foul. That was kind of a strange one. He stayed in the game, which, which I thought was I thought was the right move, but uh, definitely a weird one there. Um, some interesting officiating in this one, we'll say. A calling went a big dunk after another bad turner by Murray, actually. And then Hunter collided with Caruso, which actually left Caruso down for a long time. He ended up not coming back in the game. And then the Bulls actually gave the Hawks a free a free point on a take foul to get so, sort of get the, uh, the clock stopped. Um, and then, actually, Chicago gave another gift in the final second of the first half. DeMar DeRozan fouled Trey Young and then also got a technical foul with 0.5 seconds to go. And that was three free points for the Hawks at the end of the first half, which actually ended up being pretty important in this game to get the Hawks down only by 10 at the first half, which actually doesn't sound great, but still they were down by 18 points. And honestly being down 10 at the half was probably a gift on some level. Trey was the one and only probably bright spot in the first half. He had 29 points on 18 junior possessions. He was the only guy on the roster with more than six points in the first half. He had a season high for threes in a game. By halftime, it's six. That's obviously uh, speaks for itself and that effectiveness. Uh, but the rest of the offense was really kind of a mess. They shot 34, 35% on twos in the first half. That's really rough as a team. 10 turnovers, that's really tough That's really tough for this Hawks team too as they pride themselves on ball security. And the rest of the team was only 2 of 12 on threes before halftime, despite Trey being as hot as he was. The Bulls did turn it over a bunch, but shot the ball very well. And uh, by the time it was halftime, the Hawks' defensive rating was only 117, which isn't so bad, and it definitely improved the rest of the way. But the Hawks' offense was the problem for the vast majority of this game. And I would say, uh, generally speaking, if you're looking for a side of the ball to blame in this one, it was probably the offense by the end of the contest. All right, we'll get into more on the second half of this game as well as some player takeaways. And uh, as we always do on the show, we'll have some more context for you. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Did you know that driving under the influence is the same thing as driving high? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high can get you a DUI. If you think law enforcement officers can't tell you when you're driving high, let me tell you, you're wrong about that. Your friends can tell your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell when you're high. So what makes you think a lot law more law enforcement officers do not know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and drive and change how you perceive your time and your speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're absolutely not because the bottom line is if you feel different, you're going to drive different and driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by NHTSA. All right, we'll dive the second half of this one, and DeJounte Murray had his fifth turnover of the game, early in the second half, but got going finally. He had three jumpers in a row. He seemed to be getting sort of uh, the target by the Hawks to try to get him going a little bit in the third quarter. Uh, he got to his spots in that mid-range area where he likes to get to by the free throw line, and he had nine points in the first seven minutes of the second half. That was a good thing to see. That little barrage kind of got the margin down to six for the first time in a long time. The Bulls also stopped scoring. They had six points in like four and a half minutes. I thought the Hawks were a lot more connected, a lot, a lot sounder defensively after halftime with that shortened rotation. And I will say that, that first, uh, the first half since with, with the bench units were probably the worst ones of the night, and they kind of excised those after halftime. Um, Trey hit a sort of a trademark shrug three that he often likes to do. That was the seventh of the night, and then the Hawks got it back down to two uh, very quickly in that third quarter. They actually stuck with Collins with four fouls, which I liked. Nate kind of doing that against the grain a little bit. Uh, he finally found some rhythm as well after a sort of a, a, a disjointed first half. He had, a, he had a great one-on-one bucket against Patrick Williams. They played Collins at the five with a congo at the floor. That was the right decision in my mind after the way that Kaminsky looked in the first half. And then, um, again, only seven guys played after halftime, which is the right decision. Generally speaking, the Hawks were really good in the third quarter defensively. They were down by four as a result of that. Um, the offense was just okay before uh, at, at the end of the third quarter, but they got actually shot the ball well from two-point range for the first time in the entire game. They were 10-16 from two. And defensively, they held the Bulls to 20 points on 33% shooting in that third quarter. I thought Collins and Kongwu in particular were really, really good defensively, and uh, I thought Hunter also had a nice step forward defensively in this game on the whole. But uh, here's the crazy thing. The Hawks only, the Hawks had a 96 Offensive rating through three quarters. That's terrible. And they were down by only four points because the defense picked it up a lot in that third Uh, plenty to get to in the fourth, obviously uh, a back and forth kind of game. But I was kind of surprised in a good way. Again, that they only put seven guys, um, But it's a good spot for that. You know, I'm not someone who likes to push a ton of minutes. I'm kind of always have my eye on that kind of stuff. Like maybe it's a little bit reckless. Um, But the Hawks do have days off on both sides of this game. It's an extended homestand. And this is one that was obviously gettable. And again, also the deeper bench was really bad in that first half. But the big sort of haymaker early in the fourth quarter was a trio of threes by Bogdanovich and A.J. Griffin. A.J. hit two of those to take the lead with about nine minutes to go. And before that, the non-Trey Young shooters on the Hawks were two of 14 from three and then they made five in a row. So the first three take the lead, and then uh, Griffin, I believe, had three of those five And his four three of the night. Um, Kong had a huge block, also set, up, set that three up, and Bogey had another one. So like basically, the Hawks had... They were hot from three, finally, after everything. Uh, Trey finally cooled off, but the, uh, the combination of Bogey and Griffin hit five in a row to go up by six points. And also, as that was happening, the Hawks went up by eight midway through the fourth quarter, and the Bulls had two points in about four and a half minutes. And uh, from there, though... They got going in a typical Bulls fashion. They made a lot of mid range jump shots in this game. It's basically made all of them until the very, very end of this contest. Um, the Hawks did sort of a lot of trading of baskets, which is not what you want to do, but when you're, when you're up by eight points, it's kind of okay to do that. There was a big swing with 320 to go when Trey Young was seemingly fouled on a three. It was called. It would, have been, it would actually would have been DeMar DeRozan's sixth foul, it would have fouled him out and a three point shooting foul from Trey. It was rightly challenged and overturned. And honestly, it wasn't a foul. It was the right call to overturn it. It would have been a nice break for the Hawks if that had it been called, but I uh, can't really be too upset about that. But it was obviously a big swing because of DeRozan going off late and also the three-shot three, three foul that could have been for the Hawks there. They did win the jump ball after that um, challenge was won, and the Hawks did score actually on a nice drive by Trey going to his left. But they traded buckets from there, and the Hawks were only up by two points with under two minutes to go. Um, finally the Hawks went empty for the first time they kind of blinked first against Chicago because they, they just kept scoring Levine made a couple jump shots in a row DeRozan as well Trey missed a step back DeJounte missed one um, and out of a timeout the Hawks did kind of, kind of kind of regroup a little bit with Trey getting down the line getting down the lane for a dunk to a Kongwu, and they went fast that was a good decision because they went at sort of a two for one as a result of that but then DeRozan had a jump shot over a Kongwu that bounced I think three times on the rim it was a very very lucky shot from de rosen and that was their sixth consecutive made two-point jump shot they took six in a row on six positions in a row and they made all six um, the hawks were okay offensively in that stretch now it wasn't perfect some of the um kind of fallback options for the hawks like where they got a little bit stagnant offensively were bubbling up let's say during that stretch trey and ashante kind of doing the your turn my turn thing but on the whole. I think the Hawks scored on four out of seven possessions, which is not a terrible ratio at that point in time, but the Bulls just did not miss a shot. They made six consecutive shots, and they were all between 16 and 20 feet. What are you going to do? Uh, and they were all defended decently well. Obviously, DeRozan and Levine live in that area, especially DeRozan. And uh, what are you going to do with that last one? For Kong was kind of indicative of the night. Like, if, if it passes three times, it goes in whatever i will say after a timeout the hawks got trey young going downhill to a Kong Wu on a nice lob play it might have been an offensive goaltend honestly they didn't review that probably fortunately for the hawks but uh it's a good job by trey to get downhill twice in a row which is probably a helpful thing but then out of the timeout they let them four seconds to go um, i was confused by bogey playing at that stretch the only thing that i would say on the side of that was that the hawks only played seven guys and um basically with trey being one of them they only had a certain number of options. It might was basically bogey versus AJ Griffin, um, and I think I would have gone with bogey. I guess for that reason, but I would have almost liked to see like an ice cold Aaron Holiday or something like that it could come in and execute because bogey. Is a step slow defensively, as we talked about a lot with Glenn Willis earlier this week. And um, yeah, so that's that came up to kind of bite them a little bit. I will say, though, the Bulls finally missed a jump shot. It was actually an air ball, which actually bit the Hawks in a big way because because it was an air ball, It didn't really carry him the way that you would have thought Collins it hit him kind of in the chest. It should have been grabbed by Collins. I want to be very clear. John should have got the rebound. Uh, no question about that. I know I'm a Collins defender, but he should have had that rebound. No question about that. I, I'm sure he would say the same thing. Um, everybody did. I think, you know, Trey acknowledged that it was only one play. So that's, that's not, it's not like this loss. I saw some like crazy takes in line about how this loss is on John Collins. That's very silly. Obviously he should have got the rebound, but it's one little thing. and It was also a weird airball situation where he was trying to box out, et cetera. And then, uh, I would assume those streaks right past McDonovich, who's like basically standing still for the carom. It was unlucky too, the way that it came off of Collins' hands was even unlucky. Right to move in time, and uh, there you go on the walk off. So after all that, it was basically frustrating. The Hawks had the lead; they're up by eight points in the fourth quarter. And view through that lens, obviously, this is not a great result. Um, you have to tip your cap on some level to the Bulls for making shots on the stretch, and the Hawks again were down by eighteen points. So if I'm talking, if it's me, I'm talking about the first quarter and a half more so than the late collapse in terms of like reasons why the Hawks lost this game, because most of the late collapse was really the bulls just making every shot for three minutes. And that that's going to happen every once in a while. But it's the whole thing, you know, the whole, the whole, everything counts basically for this Hawks team and the Bulls are not a fantastic opponent. This, this should have been a game that they would have won. And uh, while you could certainly nitpick like the, the misjumpers from Trey and Ajante, the non-rebound by Collins at the end, um, some of the execution before that um, the two-point shooting, we'll get into in a second, the offense was not good enough in this game on the whole. You know, Trey obviously had some great moments. They had that one barrage early in the second half from Bogey and Griffin, but on the whole, the Hawks had a 107 offensive rating and that isn't going to be enough for this for this team to win a lot of games, especially without Capella. They're going to have to be better than that on offense. They shot 46% on twos in the game, only 34 points in the paint. That's a very low number on both of those things. Um, it was sustainable in that the Hawks were able to overcome it for the most part, but still, on the whole, offensively, they were not good enough in this game. They got hot from three, but even then, 38% from three is a good number. No question about that, but it's not like it's enough to carry you. That's not a crazy high number for this Hawks team. Also, they had 22 assists. And 15 turnovers and that's not awful but it's not good either the hawks only average about 13 turnovers a game so they had more than usual and fewer assists than usual and they didn't get a lot of work done on the glass either against a team in the bulls that's actually good on the defensive class this season uh defensively the hawks were really really good in the second half i'll say that um even at even at the end of the game they were executing pretty well and the bulls were just making shots on them they were forced to get jump shots what are you going to do there and i think in general the hawks defense was good enough to win on the whole and especially after the first 15 minutes or so of the game now all 48 minutes count but in terms of like what was better in this game offensive defense i would say defense for sure um the bulls did win the turnover battle and the biggest difference though was this and this is one of those things that like again you can't really control for but Chicago's good at this area so that's part of this they were 19 of 35 on twos outside the paint so the bulls shot a ton of those and made a ton of those that's uh, if you're not familiar with that number basically a good number on long twos is like in the mid forties. Um, and the bull shot, you know, 55% or so from 3 Sorry, from long two, which is, and that, that of course includes the last six in a row they made before the miss by DeRozan. But yeah, that's kind of the, uh, tip or cap territory in some respects so uh overall the hawks were not terrible in either-, either on the floor they were not fantastic defensively they were pretty good offensively there were uh you know signs of life for sure Trey making threes that run from bo- from bogey and aj but uh not quite enough on the whole in this one to escape with the victory all right we'll get into individual players as we always do on the podcast but first a word from our sponsors on today's show Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. And unfortunately, life's not coming with a user manual. So if things are not going as, going as planned, it's probably normal to actually feel stuck. And navigating any of life's challenges can make you unsure of things, whether it's a change in your career or a new relationship, becoming a parent, or something that's completely different. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of those challenging emotions, to learn skills that are productive in coping with what's happening in your life. That makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine that you are. BetterHelp can be self-empowerment and also help you deal with the challenges of life, whether it's trauma or simply feeling overwhelmed. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched more than 3 million people with professionally licensed vet therapists available 100% online. Plus it's affordable for you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a the therapist. If things are not clicking, you can switch a switch different therapist to any point. It couldn't be any simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month with BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on MBA. All right, and we'll end with the individual breakdowns, as we always do on the show, probably a little bit quicker than usual because only seven guys played in the second half. Um, The three guys who played before halftime, Kaminsky, Johnson, and Holiday, all played five minutes or fewer. Uh, Kaminsky was minus 10 in five minutes and probably earned that. It wasn't all on him, but he, uh, after a good game that he had on Friday, he he was DNP on Monday, and then he was bad in this game pretty clearly, defensively especially. Um, Jalen Johnson was quiet, only one rebound and one turnover in four minutes, and Aaron Holiday basically got a zero, across the board. Not that any individual guy was at fault for all of it, but those bench units were really rough and uh, the Hawks went away from them as a result, which I kind of, again, I kind of like that decision from McMillan in the middle of a, of a homestand. Um, AJ Griffin played 21 minutes, 14 points, three steals, three rebounds. He had four threes. That's actually a career high for AJ. Uh, he Actually, he, he's made three, I think multi, um, at least four or five times already this year, but he's made four in this one. Uh, people were mad that he, that he was coming out of the game late. I, I get that because he was hot, but like at the same time, I thought Hunter was obviously a lot better defensively than Griffin was. And the Hawks didn't lose this game because A.J. Griffin came out of the game. I know people are really excited about A.J., so am I. But I don't, that was not like a, a culprit. I didn't really have any, a huge issue with that. He was hot when he came out, which I know people uh, get really mad about sometimes. But I thought that A.J. did his job in this game. He played well. But down the stretch, like he wasn't going to save them from DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine either. So uh, I kind of get it. But uh, he was good overall. I'll just say that. Uh, bogey was not his best. I don't think in this game. He had the one stretch in the second half, along with Griffin, where he made back-to-back threes. But he only had 13 points on 13 shots. Not fantastic. Only one of six on twos. Uh, that was the theme for the entire team in this one. Um, three assists, though, four rebounds, had a steal, two turnovers. He was okay, he just didn't make a ton of uh, his shots inside the arc, and defensively, he continues to be a little bit of a struggle bus right now for McDonavich. um, To the starters, Collins played the fewest minutes. He's still on a restriction, coming back from the ankle, uh, four points, seven rebounds, had a steal. Uh, I think he and Okonwu, but, um, especially Kongwu, but definitely Collins, defensively was really good in the second half. He's part of that comeback. Offensively, definitely not used a lot, and we went back in this game to seeing Collins in that, in that power forward role, where he was the primary rim guy when he was playing on Monday he's much better in that role but in this game he was back to playing the four mostly and uh, that was uh, definitely a result of him getting a little bit smaller usage that's what's going to happen every once in a while I thought defensively he was good but obviously not a huge night and the rebound I'm sure will be kicking him at the end of this game for quite some time uh, Hunter was, again, just solid. I think defensively he was actually good in this game, like capital G good. Uh, ten points, nine rebounds. He was plus ten in the game Had two blocks. Um, offensively, more of a mixed bag. Oh four 4 from three. It was 4-6 on twos, um, but you know, kind of just out there for the most part on offense. But I thought he was contesting well on the perimeter and uh, digging down well on the perimeter, playing, playing a lot of four in this game as the Hawks went small because they, they kind of had to in the second half, and I thought he did his job defensively in this one. Um, Murray had a really, really rough first half and was better in the second half. 15 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, did have 5 turnovers, but I think all 5 of those were in the first like 25 minutes of the game, so he was uh, much more solid late. Missed, missed a big shot, not a stretch, but like I thought he was okay in the second half for sure. Played better. Um, he was a little bit shaky early on. I think defensively he didn't have a great game necessarily, but played 40 minutes. Uh, they're probably overdoing it within minutes a little bit right now after coming off the injury, but he seems to be willing and able to take to to those minutes, so there you go for there. And then a Congo I thought was really, really good. Honestly, probably his best game of the season 18 points, 11 rebounds, a career high, tying five blocks. And Collingwood played his career high in minutes. He played 40 minutes in this game. He briefly sat in the fourth quarter. I, I was kind of talking about this on Twitter. Like, if he had played the entire rest of the game, he'd have been like 43 minutes, which is a crazy high number for him. Uh, his his, pre- his previous career high was like 37, 38, something like that. Um, he played great, 8 of 14 from the floor. Uh, defensively, he was very solid. Rebounding-wise, he was okay, which is all you can ask for for him in that matchup. And uh, honestly, just was a two-way monster in this game. And that's definitely encouraging to see from him after kind of a rough season by his standards so far in 2022-23. And then Trey Young was much better early than late. He had 29 points at the half, only had 34 for the game, Um, six assists, six rebounds, five turnovers. He played well, for sure. Um, Definitely not quite the same impact in the second half, but uh, at the same time, he was the only guy kind of carrying everything in the first half. The one struggle besides the defense, which is always kind of a struggle, he was two of 10 on twos, which is a little bit weird. Like a guy makes seven threes, which is a season high for him. You expect that to be a super efficient night, but Trey actually only had 34 points on, I believe it was, yeah, 29 shooting possession, which is not bad. But for a guy who makes seven threes, you expect a little bit more than that. But two of 10 from, from two point range is a little bit strange. But I will say, He's shooting the ball better now. He is 12 of 26 from three in the last three games. And after a really rough start to the season, that's a blessing coming for the Hawks on offense. I, obviously I, I was encouraged by him getting downhill in those last two possessions too. him, him and a kongwu with the pick and roll down the stretch. That was better offense than they've been running at times down the stretch of, of, of the season so far this year. So um, definitely some positives. I don't think he was like brilliant, but he was genuinely really good in the first half and it uh, was usually like obviously very productive along the way. So, That'll be it for the game breakdown here. I will say just at the end of the show, like this is one the Hawks should have gotten probably if they had just played their steady level. They had the rough start. They had the rough close. And that's been kind of a story of the season. It's not an embarrassing loss, but it's not one that's going to make anybody happy coming out. Um, And obviously on a day where things started off in the morning with the Travis Schlank stepping down news and the Landry Fields promotion always promotion and enroll news um some of the back end stuff there is not great the organizational turmoil stuff has kind of still been out there as it talks about a lot on the podcast and once again i definitely want to plug that emergency show that i did earlier tonight as well as my mailbag from yesterday and then i talked to willis on sunday it's been very very busy i think like five shows in four days three days something like that so stay tuned for all that stuff please subscribe to the podcast but yeah not, not a great vibes night the hawks do return to action at home on friday a very winnable game against the pistons at home the pistons are not very good kick cutting him is out they lost to the sisters by 20 tonight nothing is ever assured in the nba but a home game against the pistons right now is about as easy as it gets so we'll see if the hawks are able to kind of get that one that's going to be badly needed as they head into christmas and a little bit of a hiatus before they uh, hit the ground running again and a looming west coast trip to start 2023 so we'll have more on that in the future for sure please subscribe to the podcast across podcast platforms apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher Uh, odyssey app we're also on youtube um, google play all those places we definitely appreciate the support please uh, tell your friends about the podcast as well follow me on twitter at bt roll and follow the show on twitter at locked on hawks and we'll see y'all after the game on friday